And the answer is 42. The answer to everything. According to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, this is Paul Arneberg, <laughs> Director of Disciple by Doing at New Life Evangelical Free Church. And I'm with Pastor Brent Compelin. Now, hey. I've not read that book, Brent, <laughs> but I know that's a common phrase in, in urban folklore from that book. The answer is 42, the answer to everything. Well, I beg to differ. I find my answers in Genesis and in the whole counsel of God. In fact, <laughs> I've looked at the back. The answers are in the back. And uh, my favorite answer is Revelation twenty two thirteen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So said our risen Lord, revealed mm-hmm. to John at Patmos at the end of Scripture. But there's also, that, that's the heaviest answer. That's awesome. Jesus is our answer. Yep. Uh, but Brent, there's also a baseball reference, 42. That's actually a movie, but more importantly, a real man wore that number. And who was he and when did he live? Yeah, Jackie Robinson. Jackie that's Robinson. That's Jackie Robinson's number, 42. I, I, yeah, I just appreciate uh, him. If you've seen the movie, um, he is a he's a believer, and yes. uh, his faith really helped stabilize and drive how he <laughs> dealt with all the bombardments of various things that he encountered as he was entering Major League Baseball as yes. the first uh, black baseball player. So I looked it up. baseball player. Thank you. Yeah, I looked it up. I'm always careful. Uh, I try to self-censor about what movies I might recommend about what content. I did look at it. It was PG-13. 2013 it came out, so 11 years ago now. Uh, it's PG-13 for some obvious thematic elements. He was the first African-American professional baseball player. Yeah. And, um, and there's some language in there and some slurs and such, but I do recommend it personally if you wanted to watch it before your children because it's not only a historic biopic. It shows him overcoming. And to your point, Brent, being a Christian, he overcomes. And Harrison Ford, one of my favorite actors, Indiana Jones and Han Solo, he does play a mentor of Jackie Robinson. Anyway, that's a 42 reference from Hitchhiker to Jesus to Jackie Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> but today, Brent, we're going to go into a, a new two-part episode. We are going to save our last transformational outcome for another uh, week or two from now. But uh, today, we're going to recap a conference we just attended out of state, the Evangelical Free Church in America, otherwise known as EFCA, yep. Theology Conference. So Brent, maybe why don't you tee us up by saying, how long have you attended these? I was I was a rookie there at the conference. How long have you attended these, and what was this year's theme? Yeah, uh, I, this was... So the, the Theology Conference has been happening for a long time. It used to be called the Midwinter Ministerial, <laughs> but that's like the old school way. Yeah. Um, the Theology Conference is a national um, you know, pastor's conference that we gather to study deeply some important theological topics as we uh, navigate ministry in the current events of the world. So the theme for this conference, there's more than 400... Uh, ministry leaders there, pastors, staff, missionaries, uh, people from uh, in all different age levels, uh, men and women. It was great. So our theme this year was marriage, a biblical uh, theology and application of marriage and how that um, unfolds in ministry within the local church, obviously. So uh, the theme was great, and there was there was just a number of wonderful sessions that happened, and so we thought it would be fun to do a little recap since we yes. both got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it was down in Chicago in the suburb of Naperville, mm-hmm. and so we drove in a minivan <laughs> with a few other uh, local people from the neighboring churches here in the South Metro. Uh, it was so fun. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I, I was very fulfilled by it too because ever since college, not only have 
I learned a lot from various churches about marriage and the theology of marriage, but then also being to other conferences like the Urbana Missions Conference in 1990. Wendy and I went there as young college kids. And so it did it throw me back in that sense in a good way that both those plenary sessions were an hour of solid, just seminary level lecturing. But then there was some really neat fellowship that happened between the scenes and behind the scenes and, and yeah, over dinner and such. Uh, but it was also really broad. It, it wasn't what the listeners might assume that it was all about marriage. And, and of course, the ultimate reflection of our marriage, according to Ephesians 5.32, is that uh, earthly marriage is really about Christ and the church. It was really encouraging to me. They tackled full-throated topics such as singleness, abuse, abandonment, divorce, and remarriage. We really got into the weeds, or that this shouldn't say weeds. We got into the details of the nuances because there's no such thing, there never has been on this earth, any such thing as an ideal marriage, even in Adam and Eve, created perfectly. We don't know how long they lasted before they didn't sin, but after they sinned, certainly they had no perfect marriage anymore. Uh, but the, the encouraging thing, back to uh, current marriages that are all fallen and, and people that are not married or maybe were and no longer through widowhood or divorce, we look forward to the new earth where singleness is enfolded into the bride of Christ. And even we who are married are no longer married in heaven, except we're married to Christ. So yeah. those are some of the macro issues we tackled last week. Yeah, it was wonderful. So just to kind of, and maybe we can recap a, a couple of the themes yeah. or titles from the sessions. Mm -hmm. We had the privilege of uh, hearing about God's design for marriage, his divine design, uh, which was... Uh, just a wonderful um, explanation of and reminder of the biblical theological understanding of God's good design in redemptive history and then now in the church. And this was taught by uh, Dr. Robert Yarbrough, who was a professor at the seminary I went to oh, yeah. for the first year I was there. And then he departed and went to uh, another seminary down in uh, St. Louis. Yes. Um, and so uh, dearly missed him um, mm -hmm. and did not get to take as many courses as I would have liked yeah. uh, from Dr. Yarbrough. But I appreciated so much how he reminded us of and dove deeply into God's good design from Genesis all the way through the scriptures of marriage and how that's a picture of Christ in the church. Yeah. And I'll tell you, one of the things, and I heard other pastors say this, I think it was over dinner that night, but one of the most impactful things of Dr. Yarborough's message was why he left TEDS. Yeah. By the way, TEDS is an acronym for, for Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, T-E-D-S. He left because his mother-in-law was in essentially needing care. Yes. And so talking about marriage for the sake of his wife, he laid down his life, he laid down his Ted's career to go take another seminary position to be closer to his mother-in-law, and yeah. she only just passed away like a month ago. Yeah, it was something like close to 20 years they were caring for her. 20 years, it was, that's I think amazing. Eight, 18 years, maybe. I, I was struck by that, too. His, his not only a theologian who is diving deep into the scriptures to help us understand God's good design, mm -hmm. but is testifying to how you, um, what kinds of self-sacrifice is involved yes. in that. <laughs> and, and in that, and that as a reflection of Christ's sacrifice, uh, mm. as he gave up his life for his bride, the church, mm -hmm. I loved that too. Just the amount of practical lived wisdom that Dr. Yarbrough brought as he reminded us of the theology of marriage. Yes. Yeah, so that was very practical. And if you want to get ethereal, his six words that actually, I think Greg Strand, the director of the theology of the EFCA, he wrote protology, teleology, 
Harm, how do you pronounce that? Harm, Harmadia. <laughs> Harmadiology. That's a study of sin, I think, right? Soteriology, ecclesiology, study of the church, and eschatology, study of end things. Soteriology, is that study of salvation? Yes. Yes, okay. Yep. So those are really high words, but <laughs> but I think the reason I'm mentioning that, I have a friend who says, don't use Christianese too often. Okay, uh, but those are the words that we were tackling, and yet the same man who really unfolded five of those words, he didn't really tackle uh, tackle Hamar. Uh, whatever, the study of sin. How do you pronounce it again? Hamartiology. Hamartiology. There you go. Hamartiology. He didn't tackle that as much, but the other five, in the context of his real-life mm-hmm. lived experience, as as James 2 says, having a faith that works, that was a really good testimony, and therefore, I believe his words sink deeper into us, a little bit like you, Brent. You said when you preach on Sundays, or when mm-hmm. any, any of us teach in any context in New Life Ministries, it's a relational context. It's not some sterile... Uh, a laboratory where we're just giving out theological truths and devoid of any connection with humans. And so Dr. Yarbrough, uh, he, he epitomized that. Yep. But maybe I'd like to hear more from you, Brent. How was he, as when you were a first-year seminary guy, what yeah. made you really impressed by him? And what was some one highlight from you from his talk this year? Because I know from other pastors, this was perhaps their favorite talk. Yeah, well, when I... When I knew him, it was, I mean, it was like an acquaintance. He was a professor who taught upper level classes and I was in my first year. And so we didn't really interact much, but, uh, to be honest, (laughs) he was a little scary (laughs) because he was one of these professors who was, his classes were very hard. Oh yeah. And a lot of the students said, oh my goodness, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna be in for it when you have a class with Dr. Yarbrough. Um, but he expected a lot because he cared so deeply that mm. you know the scriptures yes. and that you think theologically and that you apply it well into ministry in the church. Mm. And he wasn't going to let you sort of skirt past those things. It mm. was a high expectation that you would engage at a deep level as a thinker and as a pastor. So um, I appreciated that because that comes out in the session we heard last week. Mm. He, again, is so deeply rooted in God's good design for marriage. Uh you know, one man, one woman, uh, wedded <laughs> uh, as one flesh, as a reflection of Christ in the church. Um, that that he and he tied so many things together through the story of the scriptures. I was struck again by how practical of an outcome that was, uh, not only in his personal testimony, um, but in his application to the church. So. Um, But one thing that struck me, besides his moving and that being a a highlight, uh, he told the story about when they had their twin, they found out they were pregnant with twins. And I don't know if you remember this. Um, Maybe, it might be my notes, but I'm thinking of you being a twin, you just spoke on Thomas the twin in John Uh 21, yeah, or 20. So if I remember the story right from his session, Mm -hmm. he said that that they went in and... uh, had yes, I do remember this now. They yes. they found out that there was a significant issue with one of the babies. Yes, and the doctors recommended that they just abort both of them. Mm-hmm. And they said no. Yes. <laughs> and it was interesting. He said, "You know, my wife was at this appointment by herself, yeah. and she said, absolutely not. If there's a chance for life, we're ta- we're gonna we're gonna go. That that's of course what we're choosing." And so what ended up happening, I believe the the baby who had the certain medical issues did not make it. Mm-hmm. That was the implication of the story. But their other son was born and is now in adulthood. 35, I think. Yeah, yep. thriving, has a family of his own, yep. and is just glorifying God with his life. And mm-hmm. I think the implication of this, the, the beautiful story that, that Dr. Yarborough told, was how God has 
made and designed marriage and therefore the family. Mm-hmm. And honestly, as a reflection of the broader sense of the family of God and of God's design in the church and for Christ's love for and mm-hmm. sacrifice for us as his church, that the life that comes through the biological uh, you know, marriage and family and biological children and et cetera, but then also the spiritual life that is reflected through the new birth in the church, Yes, that these are God's blessings to bring himself glory mm-hmm. through us, his image bearers, in all different places and all different times through this creation. And, and so he, he just br- made this huge sort of broad sweeping understanding of how good and beautiful it is that God, the giver of life. Yes has designed and created us to be ones who bring forth life, but also spiritual life through Christ. Mm-hmm. And that is all glorifying to God, the giver of life, the source of life, life himself. Yes. And I'll put a finer point on the story leading up to the healthy son's birth, the one who survived. Yeah. She was on bed rest for months. Yeah, like and, five months or something. Uh, and yeah. Dr. Yarborough, like all the other speakers at this conference, were thoroughly complementarian, which is a major tenet of the evangelical free church, which means men and women are different. God designed it with different roles. But there, her mom a bear instinct kicked in and said, I, I'm going to decide to be on bed rest without inconsistency with my husband. In other words, and of course, he immediately yeah. fully supported her, but the decision had implications. She had to quit her nursing job. They had to reduce their income. They had to do whatever they could to fight for that yeah. healthy child's life. And like you said, he's now 35. He's married to at least two kids. And I love that. And, and by the way, their origin story, I did write these notes down. Um, he called it a doxological tribute to marriage, which means <laughs> let's praise the Lord for this. He yeah. and his wife married at ages 19 and 18. They're barely out of high school. He said there were only dysfunctional, toxic marriages in their past. And now they're married 50 years as of August. And the reason I mentioned that is this high theology, intimidating professor who's had a long, long career, he himself was married as a teenager. Yeah. From a dysfunctional past, both sides, he and his wife's families, and yet he has applied theology, which we call orthopraxy. You take good theology, apply it to your life, orthopraxy. Again, sorry, that's Christianese, but that we, we think of these words, and then the, the way they're lived out is in flourishing yeah. and in life and in all we are meant to be in the Lord, even when we're widowed, and actually in another seminar, even when we're, some of us, uh, in, especially that we know personally, divorced or otherwise bereaved of the wholeness we want in Christ. Yeah. So Dr. Yorba was a great picture of someone with uh, a checkered childhood, a very early marriage, and that trial of bed rest leading to one life, and yeah. unfortunately one life lost in that twin pregnancy. Yeah, it was a touching story and just really inspirational. So we loved that. Yes. Um, so a couple of things that happened at the conference, just for uh, you know sharing with our brothers and sisters who yeah. listen. Um, we also heard sessions on divorce and remarriage. Yes. Um, that was a, just a, another wonderful exposition of scripture and application to church life and uh, Jim Neuheiser gave that one. He has a, a book that I haven't read yet, but I just got a copy of it that's about divorce and remarriage and all the various nuances and critical issues related to that. Yes. So I'm excited to dig into that. But there was um, just some some very important information brought forward in that session. Mm-hmm. And then later that same day on Thursday, uh, one about marital abuse and how mm. that's really a picture of Satan's design and, a, and an anti-gospel. Anti-gospel. The opposite and, of Christ is abuse. Yes. And so those two sessions were heavy. They were challenging and really immediate to so much of the experience of 
relational life in our culture in our day. And some of you, I know, I mean, Paul, you and I talk about every time we do one of these episodes, we want to keep in mind the people that we know, yep. <laughs> the names and faces of people within our church that we know who are, you know, who are listening. Uh, so this isn't just sort of going out into the ether. Um, we know that there's there's these challenges within our own church body, within people that we know and care for and love. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it, there are some heavy things related to the topic of marriage yes. and suffering and difficulty and pain that people have endured and experienced and and even mistakes that we've made that we're culpable of. And these two sessions were just very sensitive to um, those pastoral issues or the the needs and real uh, things that people are are going through but also being really firm on what the scriptures say about divorce, remarriage, and about abuse and about things related to the redemptive possibilities, the, the way that there can be path forward to see restoration in yes. those things. And like I said at the beginning, in my way to cleverly or try to cleverly make 42 the answer, well, Jesus is the answer, and ultimately he is the answer for things like abuse, for things, what is the ideal marriage? How do we treat each other? How do we overcome past hurts? Remember in Revelation, the two letter, or the seven letters to the churches in yeah. Revelation 2 and 3, he who overcomes, he who overcomes, he who conquers. And Brent, I think it's now a good time before I forget, plug the fact that any listener here can subscribe or just listen piecemeal to a podcast that has all these messages coming up posted near uh, soon. <laughs> yeah, uh, cross-reference podcast, I guess. Yeah. So th- all of these sessions we're talking about are going to be posted on the EFCA Theology podcast. So yes. if you just search that on whatever podcast platform you use, EFCA Theology podcast. Uh, there are previous theology conference sessions going back many years uh, that are wonderful. I mean, really mm-hmm. quality uh, teaching. It's seminary professors or pastors that are sharing um, deeply from Scripture and then also applying to the church and life. Uh, so I'd highly recommend it. And then these sessions from the marriage conference are going to be available in the next week or two. Yeah, so, so. I, I would recommend that. I actually just only subscribed a month ago when I learned about it from Brent, but I scrolled down the bottom maybe when I was in the car for 13 hours round trip, and uh, there's a lot of content I'd love yeah. to dig into. And one thing I want to highlight, uh, I confess, or I should say confess, my personal preferred speaker was James Neuheiser. He's the one who spoke on divorce yeah. and remarriage. I had in my mind some dear loved ones, uh, both in and out of this church, who are divorced. Some are remarried, some may be remarried, but it, it gave a lot of great biblical light on the uh, nuances, as you put it. And that was Dr. James Neuheiser. But he also had a breakout session, which thankfully will also be posted on the Theology Podcast. And I'm just going to quickly read um, six keys to preserving and strengthening marriage. So we talked about abuse, we touched on divorce, but he has a a really neat six. He said in his whole life, he's used alliteration like three times. I'm the opposite. I love alliteration every day. But there's six L's that we can think about with strengthening and preserving marriage. First, the Lord must come first, even above one's spouse. And he gives some uh, notes there below that. Number two, laziness will cause a marriage to deteriorate. Hmm. Number three, lies can be like a cancer. Number four, lust is a major downfall in ministry and lack of information. Uh, much more is the cause than secular desire. In other words, uh, if we lust after others, it's not because of necessarily the the biological impulse. It's because we're not being fulfilled or whatever um, in, in that ideal oneness of marriage. It's not just a, uh, it's a oneness in many forms, including emotional and communication mm-hmm. oneness. Number five, lift one another up. Otherwise, uh, another way to put that is practice affirmation. Lift one another up. And and sixthly, love, not law. 
Um, and uh, so th those six words, uh, Lord, laziness, lies, lust, lift one another up, and love, not law, law would be a bonus seventh word, I suppose. But that's so practical <laughs> to think about that. Yeah. And again, James Newhouse himself has been married 45 years, and he went through his personal testimony. It's really neat to see that. Yeah. I know one of my former pastors would say he would only read theology books by people that were dead because he wanted to make sure they ended well. So there's something really real. Yeah. When we see people living out true Christian principles in their real life, their nitty-gritty daily lives, what they say is much more weighty because they've lived it. Yep. And therefore, the conference like this, when you hear their testimonies, and I think every speaker except for maybe Nate Brooks is probably well over 50 or 60 or even 70, and therefore we've seen the results of their actually applied beliefs. Yep. Yeah, lots of wisdom shared. And so uh, one other topic that was discussed in, in the conference and presented and, and I just want to make sure this is in the background, too, for everybody listening. Um, because of the complexity and the, I'll call it, like, honestly, sometimes the devastation of the brokenness that can come in our families and in relationships and in marriages, um, we it was very clearly uh, emphasized how we can counsel and guide people to not only be firm on the biblical truth, but also to seek restoration and redemption or honestly healing. Sometimes when things fall apart or if the partner does not, like if your spouse doesn't want to reconcile or, you know, is, walks away from the Lord or whatever other things, if there's a dead end there and you don't get the, the uh, superstar redemption story, uh, sometimes you're left with a lot of hurt and a lot of pain, a lot of brokenness or a lot of, um, scars. And so yet there is real healing and peace mm -hmm. through Christ. And we want to be sensitive to and, and aware of and, and, and invite the transparency to be able to bring things that are really dark and hard and difficult mm -hmm. into the light and allow the, that healing to take place within the context of the relationships of the church family. Yes, I think a lot of times because of the, the difficulties that happen in marriage, um, if those are suffered alone, there's a loss there that the church family can be providing some, you know, support and really the context within which that healing can take place. It's just critical. So I want to encourage all those listening, whatever your experience has been, whether it's in your own relationships or whether it's your your parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles or whoever else, we're all affected. Marriage affects everybody. Yes, <laughs> there's no marriage as an island. Yeah, and 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 so the topic whether you're married or not, or whether you used to be married or whatever, this topic affects everyone. Mm -hmm. But it's also so important that it's very, uh, it's, a, it's a topic that's addressed, prioritized, and is important for the church to address, and then for us to navigate together as a community, because by supporting uh, good and godly marriages, it's good for everybody uh, whether we're married or whether we're single. So we'll get to the singleness topic in a moment. But um, I'm just going to read a verse. I, I just spoke at a men's conference on the whole book of James, and I love James 5.16, and this this uh, highlights what you just mentioned about being transparent in, in appropriate contexts. James 5.16, Therefore confess your sins to one another mm. and pray for one another that you may be healed. Another word for healed could be restoration, not in the Greek, but just as a synonym. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And so I agree that... When we are transparent, especially with, I've heard the old adage that most marriages don't get divorced or don't blow out because of a blowout. They, they don't just yeah. have a, a, a tire that 
pops, to use a car analogy, it's a slow leak. And it's just that we don't maintain the tires. Yeah. We don't get new tires, as it were, to just refresh our marriage. And then also, when any marriage presumes to be an island, then there's a weakness. It's almost like that is giving the devil a foothold. Therefore, we need to yeah. make sure to maintain, to be in community, and have those uh, small concentric circles of, of transparency so that we can help each other. And that's the way yes. to keep your marriage strong. And then it'll bless everyone around you. Yeah, absolutely. That's so great. So, okay, so the last, maybe the last thing to talk about just um, in, in this particular recap, there's a lot of things to talk about, but... Yeah. One of the unique sessions at this conference that I want to encourage all of us to think more deeply about is singleness. Yes. Because here we are, we're at a marriage conference, and one of the main sessions is on singleness. Mm -hmm. And and I think some who looked at the initial schedule were like, hmm. <laughs> but it was so important. And I, I I know, Paul, I know you you this really struck you, but I love the title of this session. It was called Singleness a visible sign of the new creation. Yes. Why that title? Well, uh, because Jesus clearly said when the Pharisees tested him and they said, um, if a man had, uh, if a woman had seven husbands and they all died, and didn't leave her any children, whose wife will she be in heaven? Jesus says, she'll, you'll neither marry nor be given in marriage in yeah. heaven will be like the angels. Now we will not be angels. It's not true. Even though I love it's a wonderful life, we don't turn into angels, but <laughs> by some theological mystery, we will be married to Jesus Christ in heaven by some mystery. We can't yeah. explain it, uh, but that's what the Bible teaches throughout scripture, especially in Revelation mm -hmm. and Ephesians 5. And so the liberating thing for any single person is that you are not an incomplete person. Now, on the earth, from an earthly perspective, it does say in Genesis 2, it is not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helpmate suitable for him. But singleness, as the Apostle Paul was almost certainly single by yep. any scholarly interpretation, yep. and um, Jesus himself yeah. was single. And uh, we don't have to see singleness as a less than, yeah. but instead, the reason it's a signpost for the new creation, we will all be, in that sense, single, but also, I've heard the tender teaching that, let's say, those of us married 30, 40, 50 years, or even, even uh, 17 years for you and Sarah this summer, Brent, that's awesome. We want to be friends in heaven. Yeah. We want to have that uh, French filial intimacy. The eros will be gone because by some mystery, there's going to be an eros, as it were, with the Lord. And yet we're going to, I think, retain. There's a continuity of relationships from earth mm. to heaven and singles. You get to serve and you get to be part. I, I know, having been raised Catholic, <laughs> I know there was often people would wear a ring that they were wed to Christ. Like, I, And I like that. That's a good theology. We are wed to Christ. Mm. In a sense, we are engaged to Christ even when we are married on this earth. And, and I say it also because... A lot of singles often feel left out. They are not deliberately invited to things. Oh, I don't want to do that because it's a couple's thing. Well, wait a minute. Why not the whole body of Christ? Why can't we yeah. integrate appropriately into yep. anything that is going to be social, celebratory, in services? And yep. by the way, the speaker here, his name, and you can see this on the EFCA Theology Podcast, Barry Dan Danilek. Danny Leck, he's 59 years old and never been married. Yeah. And he is an expert on this topic. And he did give very specific personal testimonies about feeling less than, like when he was passed over to be a pastor because he didn't have a wife and they thought something's wrong with you. Yeah. Well, Paul clearly says in 1 Corinthians 7, I wish all were as I am. Yeah. Because if I'm not married, I can focus totally on yeah. the Lord's will in Christ. Now, again, that doesn't mean you're also less than if you're married, but it does mean yep. let each person stand before the Lord and testify. If I am single, if 
I am married, I am the Lord's, whether I live or die, whether yeah. I'm single or married. And that was my impressions, Brent. Yeah, I loved it. I, one of the things, just to give a fully orbed picture of this, that I thought was really great to just have, have as a good paradigm. Marriage is a picture of Christ and the church, Christ's sacrificial love, the submission of the church. You know, this, this, this is a beautiful living illustration. Mm-hmm. Singleness is another living illustration of the new creation life we will have in heaven. Yes. And the full devotion to God and the, as you mentioned, those other passages about that we're not going to be given in marriage and, ha- and be married in heaven. And so both married couples and singles are both picturing mm-hmm. a biblical truth that God wants to have us in the church embrace and understand and see as a living illustration of something bigger. Yes. And I love that because it doesn't elevate one over the other. It allows for a, a, a better understanding of the dynamics at play. It also makes sure that, and I think that one of the challenges at this conference, which I loved, was when you say that you're a church that cares that that cares about families. Yes. What almost every single time what people think they mean is we care about people who have children. Yes, that's right. Like married couples with children. Yep. And the reality is they said, hold on a second. If you're going to be the family of God, you got to understand there's all kinds of generations. Yep. There's also people who are single. Mm -hmm. There's some who are married. There's some who for lots of reasons and whether, you know, it's a lot of, lots of painful reasons may be no longer married. They Mm. might have lost their spouse. They might've died. They might be divorced or whatever. You're going to find all kinds of different types of people within the family of God, Mm -hmm. some who have hard pasts and some who've got glorious things to share. And basically the, the admonition was when you say that you're a church that cares about families, don't just, don't define that too narrowly. Make sure that you, you incorporate the reality that there's going to be people from all different generations and they're going to have single people in your congregation as well. And you, they're part of the family too. Yes. I thought that was really good. In fact, that gives, that gives me a trigger that next episode, we're going to highlight the pre-conference on uh, engaging in government, engaging in civics. And that's another thing we can think about. We can disagree and get along as far as issues are concerned. We also can thoroughly be unified in faith, regardless of our demographic disposition. That's why one of my favorite things, I've said this publicly, I've said this personally, I love intergenerational friendships yep. and relationships. And there's no reason with appropriateness, with boundaries, but also with sincere love that we can't reach out to the least of these, which would be like children and small, you know, small children, those who have checkered pasts, those who are in recovery, whatever. Uh, I've said at the men's conference recently that uh, a, a good friend of mine, I won't even mention the, the, uh, the relationship, but someone in, let's say, jail or someone in, in the depths of recovery and, and, and knowing that he is a sinner if he isn't walking with Christ, is it better off than the, someone that's never had any problems but also presumes doesn't need salvation? So the, those of us with pain can use that to depend on Christ more, but in a very, very positive sense, use your disposition. I've often said for many yeah. years that Wendy and I are childless by, I, I won't say by design, but we're childless not by, by our choice. We've tried to leverage that childlessness for the kingdom of God in unique ways through Jugheads, now through yeah. being on staff and being aunt and uncle and being in the neighborhood or whatever. Similarly, singles, leverage your singleness to be effective. Now, it doesn't mean burnout. I know a lot of churches tend to exploit singles. <laughs> oh, you have no kids. You should be in five different nursery ministries or whatever. No, but... um. 
If you're an empty nester, leverage your empty nest. If you are young 30-something with three to five kids, leverage that, make connections. Every demographic in the kingdom of God is useful and should be uh, given to the Lord. Therefore, no one is wasted, no one is discarded, and that's what this conference really celebrated, including back to the abuse issue, abuse, abandonment, divorce, all those really hard things, the anti-gospel. But then there's also the wonderful positive things. We see marriages around us that are the picture of Christ in the church. Well, praise God for that and there are two sinners redeemed and then they are showing what we can look forward to with that relationship with Christ on the new earth. That's awesome. There's so much that we can get out of these uh, studies of truths. Yep. I love it. So I'll just say for you listeners, thank you for letting me and Paul just kind of do a little debrief and recap of this. We learned a lot. Um, Tune into the EFCA Theology Podcast over the coming weeks and check out some of these sessions if you want to dive deeper. But even in just these broad overviews, I mean, I realize we're not getting into a ton of depth here, but Um, If you're listening to this and this is a topic you want to learn more about or you have significant struggles with, or if you don't know, like, okay, I'm single, I don't even, like, okay, how do I really embrace that and live for God's glory with my singleness? Or in your marriage, if your marriage is struggling, please, please, please reach out to us or find me or Paul or someone on our leadership or someone in the church body, Mm -hmm. a trusted friend and brother or sister in Christ, and open up about that and and bring the community, like the community of faith, the family of God. We are here together to follow Jesus together, and there's not any uh, there's not any issue you're facing, sin that you're dealing with, brokenness that you experienced or pain, or aspiration that you want to aim towards that is is. Uh, is is not able to be brought into the light and to be able to to uh, walk side by side with other people through. And so we want to see, uh, you know, confession and forgiveness and redemption and just people being healed and restored in these things because these relationships uh, of marriage and of families and of what it means to navigate this as a church together, this matters so much. Yes, every uh, week when we see Deb Hannah put her prayer uh, thing out, she's a ministry coordinator, prayer ministry coordinator. Bear one another, excuse me, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I think it comes out of Galatians six. So that's what you're talking about, Brent. We'd like to keep bearing with you in both theology and pragmatic living out of our faith. This is Paul Arnberg, director of Disciple by Doing, with Brent Coppelin, pastor of New Life Evangelical Free Church. We'll look forward to episode forty-three as we continue to recap the EFCA Theology Conference. 2024.